All right, so we're here today with one of my good mates, Billy Kitt. We're just going to run through a few uh, questions, a few stories about his life, his career. Kitty, how are you, mate? Very well, thank you, David. Thanks for the opportunity. It's a pleasure to be here. That's all right, mate. Right, Ace, let's get started. You've been basically a professional or semi-professional footballer since you were a teenager. Run us through your career, where it started and how you got to where you are. Yeah, um, I was just playing just playing school footy in um, in Bathurst. Just got picked up when I was young. Went down to the Tigers. Um, went to school in Sydney for a couple of years. Played down there and then I um, went to the Melbourne Storm um, for a, a few years. It was great down there. It was the best time of my life. But um, fortunately, kept kept breaking down like, a, like an old horse. If I was a horse, I would have been shot. Um, and then... Went to back to West Tigers and um yeah you you know what's happened since then so uh, yeah yeah right. well, hasn't been good. Let's dive into that a little bit. You obviously had some bad luck with injuries. What's happened? What have, what's going wrong with you? Um yeah I'm not too sure what's happened. I um always sort of look after myself so I guess I've just been a bit of bad luck. But yeah I've um yeah it's been been pretty shit if I'm honest. Um, had had something like six or seven surgeries in two or three years, so um, yeah, it's it's not real good. What injuries? What have you suffered so far? Um, had a had a had a broken hand, which I needed to get operated on. Um, I broke my ankle, had to get that done, and then come back, play two games, did the same thing again, so had to get it done again. Come back. Um, played one game, did the exact same thing, had to get it done again. So then I missed. So that was that missed that year, and then um, went to the Tigers. And my first training session, I fell in a in a hole and snapped my Achilles tendon. Jeez. And then um, yeah, I come back from that, and then um, I had I had to get my groin done before that, and then um, this year I had a growth in my throat, which um, put me out for the year. So that that wasn't too good. What what drives you to keep going? Not sure. Probably stupidity. <laughs> well, honestly, a normal person would have turned back a long time ago. The whole time I've known you, you've always wanted to play football. Were you just born to play footy, or? Yeah, I'm not too sure. That's a good question. I suppose it's just up to the individual. I just um, just got something inside of me that just doesn't want to just doesn't want to quit yet. Um, I still feel like I'm. I'm I'm good enough and um yeah I still feel like I got I got something to give. Yeah, nice. When when did you know you wanted to be a footballer? Oh, very early on. You know, you, you know, there's not much to do back in um in in <laughs> Oberon, mate. Is is if if you're not playing footy, you sort of got got nothing else to do. So all all my mates are playing footy growing up and that. So I don't know. I just um just got into it and um. Yeah, there was, there's nothing to do, so I was just always over there kicking the footy around and that, and it just sort of went from there. Were you always talented, or did you have to work harder than the next bloke? Um, oh, I always think I was pretty, pretty talented, but I was pretty lucky. I had had a real good, um, had a real good team when I was younger. Like there's a heap of boys that were in my team that could have went and played footy if they if they wanted to, but it just sort of wasn't for them, and it's. As I said, it's just up to the individual, and there was boys that were probably better than me, but they just didn't, just didn't want to do it. Yeah, of course. 
All right, so let's get um, let's get into it a little bit about the dark times because that's what I want to focus on here. What's the lowest point of your career so far? Um, yeah, it was it was probably the the three back to back ankle um, reconstructions because that's their six month injury, so that's eighteen months where you just got to sit on the sidelines and um. Yeah, it was pretty stressful because I was my last. It was the last year that I sort of had a contract in that, and um, sort of not not knowing what was going to happen, and then um, yeah, being away from home, it's pretty um, it's pretty tough. It's a lot of you know, a lot of people wouldn't wouldn't sort of appreciate how hard it is when you're not not living in the same state as any of your family, and that it um yeah it gets pretty depressing, but um, just got to deal with it, I guess. That's it. Did you did you have any practices or principles that helped you through that the dark times? Um, yeah, I used to watch a lot of like d- documentaries on YouTube, and that of uh, there's actually a bloke called Daniel Menzel. He's an AFL player at Geelong. He um he had three or four consecutive ACL reconstructions, and he came back and played. So, and and they did a a documentary on him like a a four-part series or a five-part series where they just followed him around and showed what it took for him to get back and that. So I used to, um, yeah, I used to watch a lot of stuff on him and just sort of any motivational videos. It was pretty hard to sleep, so I was up most of the night watching videos, just just trying to feel good about myself. Yeah. All right. What about physically? When you were injured, were you still training? Were you still keeping the body sharp? Or yeah, yeah, it was just um just pretty much getting getting flogged in rehab all the time, but it's. It's 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 easy to turn up and train. You sort of it was never lack of motivation to go train. It was just um, all the time we're away from from footy and training and that where you where you're by yourself and it's um, yeah sitting in a room alone. Sitting in a room alone. Yeah. Well, let's get let's get off the depressing stuff and into the positive stuff. How do, how's a young kid from Oberon? You said Melbourne was the highlight of your career so far. Yeah. You're at training and you're catching the ball off Cameron Smith, arguably the best hooker ever. Yeah. Passing it to Billy Slater, the the best fullback ever. <laughs> what was that like? Oh, it was unreal. It's an experience that. Is yeah, it was an experience that I that I didn't think I'd ever achieve, um, or or have the opportunity to do. It was just um, just a cool place, man. Just um, just 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 rocking up and seeing those blokes all the time. It was just um. It was unreal. And they obviously do things a bit different in Melbourne. What sets them above other clubs that you've been at? Um, just the way they just the way they go about their business. They're just they're just professional people. Um, yeah, just just the way they apply themselves to training. Just the way the whole clubs run from the top to the bottom. Everyone's there for you. And um, yeah, big, big respect to the Storm. It sucks that I that I'm not that I you know I couldn't stay there and that. But um, no. Nah, always have respect for the storm because they they work hard and they get results yeah for sure um bellamy's coaching did you enjoy it was it tough yeah it was all right i sort of sort of i was only sort of young so i didn't i didn't like i wasn't um didn't cop too many sprays or nothing from him but i did cop a couple of sprays off him but um <laughs> no nah, he was it was good he was always nice to me um um, no, he was cool. Uh, I I liked him sort of him him playing um his footy for Overon and that sort of um. It was a good icebreaker the first time I ever met him because he um you know he he was talking about blokes from Overon like the great 
Crowley Hawken and those and those lads that he played with, the great Bill Long. I'm sure you know Bill Long. He's, 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 Bill's he's, been hanging his hat on that for 50 years. Yeah, he's, he's, he's a king of the mountains, Bill. Um, yeah, so no, it was cool. He was, he, was, he was a legend. Well, just on that a little bit, Craig actually says that Crow is probably one of the most talented footballers he's ever seen. Yeah, yeah, he did say that. Um, he, he said he was unreal uh, when he was younger, but there it is again. Like a lot of my mates, just if if you don't have it in in your mind that, that that's what you want to do, you you won't do it. So um, that's the prime example, I suppose. Yeah, that's it. Um. Where, where, what's your highlight on the field so far? You, you obviously give me a lot of trouble about never winning a comp. You, <laughs> you won a competition in schoolboy footy. What's the highlight of your career so far on the field? Well, I'd say in, in the schoolboy stuff, it was um, when I went to St. Greg's, we won the first, like the, the first comp in Sydney that they'd won for something like 20 years or something like that so that was unreal the whole school was there singing songs it felt like you were playing in front of 50,000 people it was it was it was legit it was unreal <laughs> um, apart from that but I don't know probably just playing um, at Suncorp Stadium that was unreal one of my good mates Francis he, he won us the game on the bell and I don't know I was in a bit of like a I don't know. I was just I was, I was I was being a bit of a dick to the crowd, and I was just <laughs> jumping up and down and beating my chest. But you, but you just felt like you know it was a small taste of what you'd feel like. You know there was probably I don't know twenty twenty five thousand there um, for the main game, and it was just yeah I don't know. It just just gave you a feeling of what it'd be like to run out in front of fifty thousand people. It just took you to a place that that you can't you can't sort of explain. Well, we can't talk about your under-20s career without the, the flying ass incident where you were famously knocked out by an ass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It went viral. You, you got a lot of fame. Do you still cough it about that today? Yeah, yeah, yeah. A couple of my mates in Melbourne, um, big Christian Welch, a storm hard man, he, <laughs> he, he, uh, he, he still gives me a bit of shit about it. But no, I just, you know, I just, um, it was just one of those things. I was sort of lucky that I didn't break my jaw or fracture my skull or something. It's a pretty... No, it was like it was like running into a tree, but um, no, I, I just say to the boys, it was just a it was just a ploy for me to wind the clock down, as as there was only a, a minute or two to go. But um, no, I was I was KO'd senseless, so <laughs> it was really good. Did you get a penalty at least? Yeah, 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 we did. But I was um, I had to go off. I was I was seeing stars. I felt like I went twelve rounds with Dave Sellers. <laughs> well, that's that's another question. You missed in your injury rap. You missed a. Uh pretty big one where you were knocked out as a young fellow and you, oh, do you yeah. still suffer from that today do you do you see football as fight as anyone with head injuries having yeah. problems down the track yeah that was uh, i forgot forgot all about that um when i was 16 17 i was playing a schoolboy game and i um i got knocked out pretty bad just a collision just sort of we were winning on the scoreboard and this this Big bloke, he sort of he wasn't he didn't like it, so he just flew out of the line to try and try and tackle one of my mates and ended up hitting me accidentally. His his head went into my chin and I just can't really remember too much. So I watched the video once and that, but I had a fit. I think I fitted for like two minutes or something like that, and I um I remember waking up and my mum was on the field. She was there because I was meant to come home for the weekend, and she ran on and I was um I woke up and I could and I was. I couldn't get out what I wanted to say. Like I knew in my head, 
like I was trying to say I'm alright but it just wouldn't come out and it, it, it gave me like a feeling for what those people that have those illnesses when they know what's going on in their head but they can't get it out and it was it was terrible but um yeah and then I went back out and I fitted again and then um yeah I went to Westmead I think it was for like 15 16 days or something and then yeah I, I didn't play for months after that and it took me I don't know yeah I, I reckon I still experience like some difficulties from it like putting things together like just um I'm bored right now, but it just took my sharpness out for, I reckon, about a year. It was, yeah, it wasn't too good. It wasn't something I'd want to do again. Do you foresee this becoming more, more uh, revelant? Like, the concussion, the movie come out with the NFL. Yeah. They had a big crackdown, and we yeah. know about the new concussion rules in the game. Do you think that there'll be a lot of players suffering after yeah. they retire? Yeah, I think so, for, for sure. Like, it's it's just in, it's just inevitable. Sort of like boxing, if you. You're gonna get hit in the head. It sort of yeah. It, it can't be good for the head. Does that play on your mind, or is that the risk you take those risks? Oh, I guess you just gotta just gotta take those risks. Um, if if I didn't, there's no one holding a gun to my head telling me that I need to play. So it's what it is, I guess. Yep. Um. <laughs> now, do you have any regrets at all? Throughout your life, your career, is there anything you regret that you would go back and change if you could? Um, no, nah, not really. I sort of, I sort of gave, I've sort of given my all wherever I've wherever I've been. Um, and I don't want to just harp, keep harping on it and say that if it was just because injuries, why I'm why I'm here or why I'm there. But um, yeah, I sort of feel like I've I've given every, everything I've had I have to to play and um yeah no I don't sort of regret anything well you you see blokes that you've played with growing up that you've arguably been better or performed better than and they're yeah. they're where at the pinnacle of the game some of them yeah. do you, does that play on your mind at all nah I guess it's just life like you can't you sort of can't live in that life um it's like anything you'll feel like I guess it's only natural to feel disappointed when you know that you're probably better than some people but um that's just that's just how that's just how the world works. Sometimes sometimes it's just not just not meant to happen for you, or just a different path. Everyone's got to take a different path, and and I'm 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 on a different path. Yeah, that's it. So your hobbies um yep. to pass a bit of time. You become quite well known as the great kits tipper. <laughs> how did that come about? Uh, I was actually just um I was actually sitting on a lounge in in Melbourne with Cameron Munster, and we were just. We were just watching the races, and I was just, I was just tipping them from everywhere, and I said, "Fuck it, I'm gonna, um, <laughs> I'm gonna start my own page for a bit of a laugh." And then he was like, "Oh, he was, he was up me saying, saying I couldn't tip him and that." And then, um, I, I just, I had, I started it off, and then I'd tip like six or seven races in a row, and then I was just like, "I'm, I'm, I'm." The Don, I'm, as you would say. I'm, I'm going to do it, but, um, <laughs> nah, a couple of me good mates, um, like Dean Britton, Will Chambers, they, they still give me a bit of stick about it, but at the end of the day, um, is, is, is what it is. Where do you see it going? Is it something after football you could do full time? Do you think you could be up there with the big Dave Stanley on tab? Yeah, I'll probably, um, I don't know, it's, 
if I don't know, it's a it's a bit of a it's it's a bit of a shit thing. Like if if I have a if I have a couple of bad tips, you know, they're calling for me head, but if I'm winning they <laughs> you know, they're they're loving me. They want to build a statue. But um nah it's sweet. I'll just I'll just wait and see, Dave. You, I, don't, I don't know. I'm in, I'm in no rush, as as you know. I um, I like designing things. I've 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 brought out some clothes and that previously. I'm looking to get back into that soon. So um, stay tuned. Is that just from a time thing? You got a bit of time up your sleeve. You do these things, or is it something you've always been interested? Nah, you've always been a good drawer. Yeah, as as you know, I'm always drawing. That I was always getting trouble at school for drawing on me papers and that um i don't your know mum's lounge my mum's <laughs> i'll just enjoy it um just just comes just comes to me to just just get a pen or a pencil and a bit of paper and just draw yeah so i just i don't know i just scribbled up some designs over the year you're actually wearing a, a bk yeah, i've got one of the hats the moment, on so. indeed it gets a lot of compliments too the bk hat thanks for the support <laughs> Um, another hobby, boxing. Whenever you're back, yeah, yeah. we um, we do a lot of training. Yep. You've taken it probably to the next level this time. You're doing a bit of sparring yeah, whenever yeah. you're away in Melbourne. You head down and see the great Tassie for a session. <laughs> Where's that come from? Always been an interest. You you love the fights. Um, yeah. Well, as 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 you know, it's sort of sort of in my blood. Um, Bill Clark Senior was a was a boxer, and then that that's my grandfather's dad, and then my grandfather was a he, he was a he was an Australian champion, um, and yeah, it just sort of come from there. You know, you know the bloke that lives across the road from my parents, um, the great Harry Fitzpatrick from the Harry the Fitzpatrick boss. Boxing Club, back in Oberon. He, the um, wild man from the Edith Hills. The wild man from the hills. Um, just sort of come to me. I um I wasn't too too keen on it at the start, but I just sort of picked it up and just just felt good doing it. I guess there's nothing um. Nothing hits you like a big straight right to the face or something. So, <laughs> I, I, I guess it's, I, I guess it's good for you. What is, is it? The adrenaline? Do you feel that rush when you're in there? Uh, oh, for sure. Um, you know, I sort of haven't sparred with anyone the same size as me. I've always, always been going up against animals. So, um, that's that's been it's been good. I've I've enjoyed it, and it's something I want to keep keep doing. Is there any correlation between the fighting and footy? Can you? Um. Oh. Yes and no. You gotta have. You still gotta be disciplined, but um, I think it's just a, a you know, it's a one man sport. I suppose in rugby league, you can sort of, well, you shouldn't be, but you know, you can rely on someone to do the job. Whether if you, know, you can't really rely on anyone in boxing, you you'll you'll be laid out unconscious <laughs> on the floor, I guess. So. And your style, you for anyone who hasn't seen you spar or fight, you have quite a wild style. Yeah, yeah. Bit of. McGregor mixed in there. Yeah. Where do you take inspiration from the great fighters, and you just tried to <laughs> mould a style, or um, what is that? I don't know, mate. Just sort of, it just sort of come, just sort of come natural. I just, you know, I was I was mucking around with you in the in the backyard one day, thinking I was Conor McGregor, and it just felt good. So <laughs> I just I just added a, a little bit here and there. As you know, I like to watch, I like to watch probably more boxing than football. Um, and I just I don't know, I just picked it up and rolled with it. You said you watch the Menzel documentary. You watch yep. a lot of YouTube clips. Yep. Everyone probably know how much McGregor you watch. Yep. Do you just do you find inspiration in these guys? Do you try to take uh, a bit of what they're doing successfully and use that for yourself? Or yeah. Oh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that I sort of adopted their approach or anything because 
um, I just I sort of want to have my own approach, but I definitely take things out of out of everyone. I feel like you can learn something from from every individual that's 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 walked the earth, I suppose. Um, yeah, and, of course. And definitely like Conor McGregor, you know, he was a he was a battler that's now a billionaire, so you've got to respect it. Yeah, indeed, indeed. Football heroes? Do you have a hero? Um, yeah, um, oh. I don't know if I have a hero. I've got a lot of blokes that I that I looked up to and still look up to. Um, you know, I'm a big I'm a big um, Cooper Cronk fan because you know he's he's not he's not really the most talented guy, but he just um, he just works and works and works, and he's just molded himself into being one of the game's greats. So I'm I'm all about that. Yeah. Well, on that, um, do you think? I know you, your training philosophy, your mentality is a lot built around doing things that others won't. So yeah. I know there was one time we'll get I was getting ready for a fight actually, and you were back in town, so we were training. Yep. And I was I was staying with a girl, and you used to come into our room in the middle of the night, two o'clock in the morning, <laughs> kick me and be at the bed. Yeah. Up, yeah, we'd yeah. go for a run in the middle of the night. Yeah. Come back, go to bed. Where does this different philosophy come from? Is it just um, mentally doing what others won't? Do you feel that gives you an edge? Or? Um, yeah, I think it... Oh, well, for sure. I, I, I have that belief, but... Um, I don't know. I just... I just in, in that instance, like... <laughs> you were starting work at seven in the morning and I was sleeping. Like, I, I, could, I could sleep in because I was on a break. But um, I just had this... Feeling, I just had this thought that if we trained at two a.m., then you'd be able to go back to sleep and you'd be fresher for work. Um, didn't quite work out that well, way. Well, <laughs> it did for the first week. You yeah, it did. Um, I don't know. I've seen that on a I've seen that on well, a documentary. Floyd's probably the most famous. He does it a lot. Yeah, he'll exactly. train at all different times and. Yeah, I just um, I'm not sure. I suppose it's it's uncomfortable to get up at two a.m. and go for a road run um, when the town sleeps and it's just you on the pavement and the. And the streetlights, I guess. Yeah, of course. So with training, you've been through a lot of different camps. You've done a lot of stuff. Yep. What's the hardest thing you've ever done? Is there something that sticks in your mind? Oh, well, obviously the torture camps at Melbourne, that that was that was ridiculous. So what what did that involve? Oh, uh, the torture camp. That was um, that was at Melbourne. I think they take you know they take the new boys every year on these torture camps. Um. Yeah, so the day of the torture camp, we got flogged at Amy Park where the storm trained, and then we went out and run these hills, and like we were absolutely stuffed before the camp even started. And um, it's an actual like company that come in and run it, and they're all like they're old as. There's this dude who's about seventy, just fit as fuck. <laughs> He's just this little little animal. So they so they said to us, um, "Oh, you're gonna go into this room. You'll sit here for twenty minutes, and they'll come and and they'll come and get you." It's like, all right, sweet. And this was like, there was probably about 15 of us. What were you thinking at the time? Oh, I was just pumped. You you would have heard about them there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've heard all these stories about blokes hallucinating shit, and I was like, that doesn't happen. Um, But yeah, so we're sitting in this room, and um, I was sitting next to um, Blake Green. He plays plays at the Warriors now. We were just sitting there talking, and just started getting real hot, and I was sweating. I'm like, what am I sweating for? I'm just like, I'm not nervous. Let's let's get it on. And then, so I meant to sit there for 20 minutes. We sat there for like two and a half hours in this heated room. It was just mind games. 
and then these lunatics just barge in <laughs> and they give you a number so i was red five and just say you were black three i'd have to refer to you as black three and if i referred to you as dave sellers i'd get a punishment yep so we did that and then we went out we did all this stuff again on amy park like just like push-ups and sit-ups and it was just shit and then we jumped on this bus and went down to st kilda beach got absolutely towed up on this beach like i mean towed up um, like army style like army waves style, in, the, like, waves in like the face running through the water like chest chest deep with a with a um uh, a rope above your head and the like everyone had to keep this rope above their head and if it touched the water we'd get penalized so we went from brighton to port melbourne which is like i reckon it'd be about 10k just on this sand getting yeah. just towed up and it was on like a thursday no, it was on a Friday Arvo, so there was blokes down at St Kilda and that just getting on the beers and <laughs> just laughing abuse. at us and that. And I was just, oh, I was still up, upbeat about it. Um, I just had this mentality that I was just going to just be real upbeat and they thought I was a bit of a smart ass at the start and that. And Did they beat that out of you? No, nah, they tr- yeah, well, they tried, but we'll get to that. Um, so, yeah, then we got to Port Melbourne and... We had like five minutes to get changed again and get all our wet clothes off. And we had like a little little bit of food and we got on this bus and went down to Geelong, which is like an hour away. And this was at like 10 o'clock in the night. They got us off the bus and we just walked all night, just walking and walking. I reckon we would have walked about 50K. Did you know where you were going? Or no, was... I didn't have a clue. And we, we, was, we were standing on this beach with these little, um, they gave you these little bars like they'll pretend to be guns. And they were just like, welcome to the front line, gentlemen, and that sort of stuff. It was pretty cool. I felt like felt like I was out of like a movie scene or something. Yeah. Like, um, yeah, this little dude, he was just flying. He was honestly about 70. He was about three foot tall and just powering, just flying. And we're trying to keep up with him. So we walked all night. Um, and then they took us down to this, this um, these little little shacks and they told us to go in there and put your sleeping bags out and they'll wake us up in the morning it was about 20 minutes later we no one was asleep they just barged back in and said oh no we're not going to sleep get up we started walking again all night and then they had these tarps set up in the middle of the forest so there was like 15 of us and it had to be two blokes on watch every every 12 minutes or something yep so we're laying down we're laying down and I'm, I was, I was, I was snuggling someone because <laughs> it was that fucking cold. <laughs> and then the next minute, this Arabic music starts playing just in the forest, like about ten meters from us. They'd set up all these, um, all these recorders and that, like, yeah, like speakers, um, speakers, and, and um, blasting this Arabic music like <laughs> loud as so you couldn't sleep. And I got stitched up because if anyone come, you had to scream out whole two goes there and everyone would have to run out so to break their sleep up if they're asleep one of my mates um joe stimson he i think he was just getting a bit tired and he accidentally said that that there was someone <laughs> there and in six minutes for me to call out so there was no one there but he's i just called out because he told me to call out and they're all freaking all the boys have ran out of the forest <laughs> come to me so I've had to make it out like I was chasing someone down the road. <laughs> there was fucking no one there. And then, so we did that. So we got no... How no, far in are we now? A day in? No, nah, that's the first night. So we're still no we're, sleep? No, no, no. 12 hours? Yeah, oh, well, that was at 3am. and we Any food? What about 
No, we had a tiny little bit of food, like a like a little chocolate on a, and it might have had like a piece of sausage or something. So yeah, right. no, so we started training at nine that morning. This was three a.m. So no sleep, um, um, sand all through your groin and that. So you're chafing bad. So we did that. We got through the next morning, and then we just walked again. Like we just kept just kept walking, following this little macho man. Around. <laughs> He's just powering around. Did you have then, a nickname for him? Surely the nah, boys. No, I can't even remember his name. He was a little. He was a little dweeb. <laughs> but um. So we had to go and do this obstacle course, and it was it was it was hard, and you had to beat your time, and we just kept doing it and doing it and doing it like ten times, and they just set impossible challenges, and then just penalise you if you couldn't if you couldn't meet them. Anyone blow up? Nah, nah, no one blew up. A few blokes tried to say they had bad backs and that, and they just got just got blown up at. So yeah, just had to do it. So it wasn't even worth trying to no, wasn't pull a hamstring it. or something. Nah, and then we did that. We went and we went down to the beach and got flogged on the beach wrestling and that and just uncomfortable sand in places that it shouldn't be and um, <laughs> and then so that was that was that was the second day and then in the night we had to oh there was this loop it was about four kilometers and we just had to walk around this loop all night and you couldn't say a word to anyone and those blokes were just stationed out listening to you and if you got caught talking it was a race but so. Everyone had to just walk. I think we walked like five laps of that, so that was like twenty k's or something that night. Jesus. In the pitch dark, you weren't allowed to have a light on. Yeah. So blokes were just falling over. There was massive holes and stuff in the road, and it was actually not safe. I don't know why they did it, but yeah, I had a, I had a couple of big spills. <laughs> you still holding your gun? Yes, I had to still. still you can't, can't let go of the gun, and um, yeah. So we did that, and then the first blokes to finish that, we just like you just waited there. Waiting for everyone else, and you got a you got a like a oh, like a miniature can of Pepsi. It was honestly like I reckon like hundred mil. Yep. And then one of those tiny little Mars bars, and that's all you had that night. How well, how'd you go about it? You just nail it, or you tried to ration it a nah, little bit? Nailed it. Nailed it. Nailed it. I pretty much. I think I ate the can too. <laughs> um, what else was there? Oh, so then that's so this is like the the last night. So. After that, they took us all down into the forest, and you were set up like two hundred meters from anyone, and they walked into the forest, like spun you around or something, and then you just had to stay stand there all night, not falling asleep. So for like three or four hours, just standing in this pitch dark. Like probably for about five hours, standing in this pitch dark, and if anyone come from the group that ran it, you had to say halt. Who who goes there? Yep. But you're hallucinating massively, like. So you had those, this is like two days without any sleep. So at the start you said yeah, hallucination yeah. was impossible, and here you are hallucinating. Yeah. <laughs> what did you say? Uh, like a just a tree that I thought was falling over and that, and then I thought it was like a, I thought the branches were like these big hands coming over me, and it sounds stupid, but it actually happened. And um, so yeah, we get to the next morning and that, and everyone had these little lights on them, so like so so they could tell where you were. Yep. And I remember walk like they come and got us, and I didn't fall asleep. And I think there was like seven of the sixteen blokes that didn't fall asleep. And we we're walking up, and the last post was Marika Corabetti, and he um he hung his light in a in a tree, so it looked like it looked like he was that height. Yeah. She was just asleep under the tree all night. <laughs> and I remember the guy going and blowing up at him, and, that. 
It was actually pretty smart, but he got caught out. Any punishment for that? Yeah, so the seven boys that, that didn't fall asleep got to have half an hour of sleep and they all had to stand around and watch us while we slept, but can't really sleep when there's that many eyes <laughs> on you and that. And then after that, we went and we did this boxing. It was just like sparring, just one-on-one. It was just a tournament, like... Yeah. Like, you spar this bloke, and if you if they say you beat him, Knock you keep out, going go on, on, keep yeah. going on. And, um... So yeah. you should have shined there with... Oh, I got to the grand final, and, yeah, they... I went against Christian Welch, who's about seven foot tall. <laughs> it was a bit of a stitch-up. I thought I won, but this is what it is. And Does then, he hang his hat on beating the great... Yeah. The great South Baller Kitmaster? Yeah, he still goes into it even now. That was a few years ago, but he still, he still hangs his hat on it. You um, have him in a rematch? Yeah, I've been trying for the rematch, but he, <laughs> he won't have it. Um, and then after that, so that was that was it. We thought we're sweet. We're going back, and then they pull up just at this place out of Melbourne that was this barbed wire, and all the blokes didn't fall asleep. Had to grab this barbed wire and do dips on it. On your hands. On your hands. While oh, yeah. while the blokes that fell asleep had to lick all the chick- chocolate off the Tim Tam without biting it. So that's like, like, I don't think many people would have done that, but it takes like a long time to lick all a bit of chocolate off. Um, What's so the go with that? Another mental game. Another mental game. And then we got and we got back and the rest is history. I slept for about four days. Had chafe for about four months. <laughs> what did you learn from that? Was it a worthwhile thing? Yeah. It, it was just, it was something that you sort of can't, can't explain, explain unless yeah. you were there. Like Go to a place you've never been before. Oh, for sure. When you haven't slept for a couple, like for three days, you, that's not well. You'd just be chatting gibberish, wouldn't you? Yeah, chatting absolute shit at the end. And then a couple of boys went out that night and got got drunk. You're and got kidding. Back, but I was I was um, I was in no state for that. I was curled up in a ball for. A, <laughs> I think that was just before Christmas. So I had like. Two days before Christmas, or three days before Christmas, and I, actually, I reckon I slept until Christmas morning. Far out. Yeah. All right, so let's wrap this up. Where Where's Billy Kitt in the future? Where do you see yourself going from here? Obviously, NRL's the goal. Yeah. You want to play a game. Yeah. Um, where are you in five years' time? I'm not sure. I don't. I don't think I can answer that. I. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't think you can sort of predict where you're going to be because there's a lot of uncontrollables mm. and things that can happen in 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 life and that so well for this year let's start this year you're yeah. signed at Wentworthville yeah. you're going there yeah. what's the goal you want to get on the field obviously play regular footy yeah um, yeah I just want to play just want to just want to play some good good reserve grade and then if uh, um, opportunity presents itself at, at Parramatta I'd, I'd, I'd love I'd I'd take it, but um, no. Nah, after having a year off, I just want to get back and play play reserve grade. And, um, just have a, have a good season, I guess. Yeah, nice. Right, eh, so I'm just going to run through three questions. We just right, got Dave. a little segment. Um, first one. Yeah. At the time, what is something that you thought that was a massive failure, but looking back on has actually set you up for future success? Oh shit! Good question. So at the time, you you know you thought ah. Uh, this is the end, and then you look back, and it's a blessing in disguise. Mm, shit. Um, oh well, it's not. A, I suppose it hasn't been a blessing, but when I couldn't, when I left like 
storm and that, I thought my footy career was over. Yeah. Like, I was up. I was so, did you see that as a failure? You, in your eyes at oh, the time? I wouldn't, yeah, just at the time because I, I wanted to play NRL for the storm and that, and I was, and I didn't, and I kept, I kept breaking down and that, and I felt like if I hadn't broken down, I would have, well, I'm not going to say I definitely would have, but I'm pretty, you know. I thought it was a massive failure and it's still, still, I wouldn't say it haunts me, but it annoys me that I'm not, because all my best mates and that are still there, so. Yep. No, it's obviously, it was, it was a great place. Yep, sweet, all right. Now, we've, we've gone into the, the dark times, etc. cetera. Yep. Um, is there a motto, a, a phrase, a quote or something that you Ooh, you rely on that you go back to to get you through them tough times? Um. Oh, I don't know. Just the always, always be light around the corner. No matter what happens, the sun's still gonna. Yeah. S- nice. The sun's still gonna come up, and the and and it's still gonna set. So. Yeah. So you tell yourself that in the dark times, you just replay it. Yeah. In your mind. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I just um. Yeah, I, I don't know. I guess. Like the world's not gonna stop for for Billy Kit because he's feeling shit. So. No, that's it. Um. You know, it's still going to carry on with or without me, so... Yep. So, do you, are you religious at all? Do you have any faith? You keep coming back to, you know, you yeah. believe yeah, in the well, long I was, run. Yeah, well, I, um, you know, when I was younger, like, my, my grandparents and that are big, big Catholics and that, and sort of always at church when I was a, when I was a kid and that, and, you know, my nana, my, my nana doesn't know that I don't attend that more, but she's probably... <laughs> <laughs> She'd probably come after me if she found that out, but um, nah, I, I, yeah, I'd, I'd say I'm pretty, pretty religious. I don't know, um, yeah, I don't know if there's a god, but I reckon there's a, there's a higher, higher power out there. Um, what about you? You think there's a god? I don't know. I think that's, I believe in something. I don't know what it is though. Well, we can't have just turned up here like. No. Nah. So you believe in destiny? Uh, I I reckon your destiny set out for you before you before you're born. I know some people <laughs> don't agree with that, but you so say you have no choice in it. It just I think it I think you're just born to to do it. Is Billy Kitt's destiny to, to play I, I, NRL? I, I, I don't know. I don't know what my I don't I don't think you truly know your destiny until you're a old man sitting in a rocking chair. <laughs> All right, last question for you. What would you choose, okay? You can be an NRL star, you have a good career, yeah. 40, 50, 100 games, you win a comp, yeah. or you're a part owner in Winks. What would you choose? Mm. I'd obviously take take the good career because if I had a good enough career, I'd just be able to buy another <laughs> another good horse. Is there Winx. another Winks, though? No, obviously not, but fuck. wouldn't it be good to own a part of Winks? It would be for sure. Do you get out and see it? Oh, I haven't. I haven't seen Winks live. I, I, as you know, I, I like I like going to the races and that. But I've um, I sort of always been in Melbourne when she's been in Sydney. I've been at Sydney when she's in Melbourne. But I've watched it on the big screen and that at the track and just the feeling that she gives people. It's just um, it's unreal. Well, I think it was second last start. Um, she was boxed in. Yep. Couldn't get out. Yep. Ten lengths behind, no way it won, and it won. What did you think on that? Well, the true greats just always find a way. Have you ever seen they? anything like that? Nah, but that's that's what I mean. That's destiny. If, if that wasn't Winx's destiny, she's not 
she she's not winning that. No, oh, I thought it was gone. Oh, that's what I mean. The the greats find a way. Yeah, but that's not great. That's next level than great. It's Winks are super great well, for she, a horse. That's what I mean. It's just a, it's a legend. And what about uh the cup? You get a winner in the cup? No, I was um actually went down to Clovelly with a couple of my mates and um I was actually having a, a a decent day on on the punt and um yeah fucking um I think I ran last. I put three bets on. I ran last, second, third, last, and second, or last, second, last, and third last. <laughs> that out, but um, nah, it just so you got the trifecta just, in reverse. Oh yeah, I got the trifecta in reverse. I think <laughs> it just um just wasn't my day. But um, as you know, we tip the Caulfield Cup, so we'll sort of <laughs> we'll sort of rest our our laurels on that, eh? Kids tips. Kids tips, mate. <laughs> All right, Kitty. Well, it's been a pleasure, mate. Thanks for uh, joining me on the Big Cell podcast. Oh, David, it's been an honour. It's um, uh, it's 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 good to see you doing it. I I hope you can continue it, and um, who knows, you might be the next Joe Rogan or something like that, eh? We just need a bit more weed. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Kitty. All the best.